Hi, we're Katie, Jessica, and Shannon, and this is Boy Problems Podcast, a community focused on supporting families navigating substance use disorder. We hope sharing our stories, introducing you to experts, and answering all the questions you have no one else to ask will help you better navigate your story. Through our partners' recoveries, we found each other and formed our own squad, one we know is so valuable to how we manage this disease in our relationships. So we started bringing a microphone to our hangouts to extend our conversations to others just like us. When you're here, you're not alone. If you're listening, you probably know we met at a family support group and our bonds have grown stronger through sharing our stories and supporting each other. When we think about the thing that's helped us most, it's that. So we'd like to extend that community to you. If you're feeling like no one understands what you're dealing with or you're looking for a community of like-minded individuals, consider joining us for our virtual support group. For details, visit recovering2.com. We know what you're going through, and we're here to help. We're recovering, too. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for having me. My name is Katie McCone-Jones. I am the co-founder of Recovering 2 and co-host of Boy Problems Podcast. So excited to be a part of today's conference. Today, I'm going to talk to you about trust. Uh, the trust that was lost between my husband and I during his active addiction years. Uh, so I will cover our relationship a little bit, how we lost the trust and how we have gained it back. Uh, my husband and I, we met when I was 19 in college, his sister was my RA and my mom died the second week of college. And unfortunately his dad had died when he was younger. So my RA, who is his sister, um, came to my room after I got back from all the funeral services and said, Hey, my father passed away. If you ever want to talk about it, I'd be happy to long story short. I was her friend. I thought her brother was cute and he is now my husband. And we have been together for about 15 years now. So again, 19 sophomore in college, I didn't see him. He had already finished college. Um, so I didn't see him unless we were together on weekends and in college, I like to drink. And so we would just drink together. And so there was not a big deal. There wasn't a, anything wrong or, um, no red flags were popping up when we would drink and party together because it was just the thing to do. I was getting drunk. So was he, we were all having a good time. Fast forward to, 2009, when we moved in with each other after I graduated college. And again, at this point he is working overnights and I'm in the hospitality industry. So I worked every weekend, Friday, Saturday, and some Sundays. And so I would only see him during the day, uh, about an hour and 20 minutes a day, which is not very much. And so when I would see him, it would be like, Hey, love you. Bye. Hey, love you. Bye. And we would just kind of blow past one another. So for the first six years of our relationship, we kind of hardly saw each other. Um, again, we would party, but when we would party, it would be together and it would make sense because we we're at friend's house. And so I never saw him messed up 
um, outside of like appropriate situations. Then right after we got married, uh, he got switched to day shift, which was amazing. It was so wonderful that him and I could now be together, um, during the day and I could see him more often. However, that is when I started to notice more that things were wrong. They weren't going right. Um, and I just noticed that our relationship was kind of off. So for the first three years of our marriage, we kind of stopped talking. Um, he, when I didn't know he was in his heavy active use and I, um, was busy working all the time with hospitality again, um, still lots of weekends. And so I would see him, but then when I would come home, he would, he would just be asleep on the couch because he had had a long day. So next, um, I want to go over, so that's kind of our relationship. And I will say that he is a wonderful man. We now, um, he has been in recovery at this point for five years, close to six, and we have two children and, um, he's just a wonderful father and just a really great person. So, um, some of the ways that he, that we kind of, our trust was kind of broken over the years is, um, we never could, I could never go in his phone. I could never look in his car. I could never look in his wallet. He said that was an invasion of privacy and, um, he would never do that to me. And so he, he was, he would freak out anytime I would even try to pick up his wallet or pick up his phone to hand to him. Um, so again, there, you know, I don't care if he looks at my phone, like that doesn't matter to me. And so there was a bit of a kind of him pushing me away a bit in that he would always go outside and make his phone calls. It didn't matter if it was his mom or a work call. It didn't matter. I don't know. He was always outside making phone calls and he was always outside quite frequently because, um, he was a smoker at the time. And so he was not allowed to smoke in our home. So he would just be outside all the time on the phone. Um, and I could never hear his conversation. If I did go outside to not even try to listen in, but just to try to be with him, he would hang up the phone and get off the phone with the person. Um, he, unfortunately, when he was in his active use, he did not speak to me well. He would always talk down to me, belittle me, tell me I was crazy for thinking like, Hey, there's white stuff coming out of your nose or, Hey, um, you know, this is looking off or, Hey, we're not talking. I'm really not happy in our relationship. Um, he would always say it was me that I was crazy, that I was the problem, this, that, and the other. Um, so unfortunately that has led to a lot of really wonderful things that I've been able to speak with my personal counselor about. Um, he would take long drives. Didn't matter what time, <laughs> nine, 10 o'clock, um, super early in the morning, six o'clock in the morning. And he's not a morning person. He would go out on these drives. He needed to clear his head. And so he would go out on these drives. He would be gone for sometimes an hour, sometimes multiple hours. I wouldn't know where he was, um, but he just needed to clear his head. And I assumed that I was being a nagging wife and asking too much of him. And so he just needed a break from, from me. Um, little did I know that typically he would go to his dealer's house and be using drugs. And that's why he wouldn't pick up because he wasn't coherent enough to talk to me. Um, we 
would always something um, that was very important to my dad was that we went over the budget every month together line by line. Um, this was like the marriage contract thing, whatever. And he would go line by line over everything, every purchase that we made. And as the years are starting to go on, money is just starting to disappear, not be explained of where it went, where it's going. And, you know, it would be, oh, I had to take cash out for my union dues. Oh, I bought pizza for the guys at work. Um, my husband, he gets off earlier than me. And so he is the person who gets groceries in our home. And a lot of the charges on the bank account are, and were, um, like Kroger grocery store accounts. And so to me, we always just had food in the house. So I never knew if, he had gone on a grocery store run. I mean, they were just like little charges, like $20, $30, $50. So again, we always had food. So as long as food was in the house and dinner was being made, like it didn't matter to me how much he was spending at the grocery store because it was just like, that's the groceries that we need. Like, this is just our budget that we have to stay within for every month. Um, and then there was always a lot of fast food charges. Um, he, my husband enjoys fast food. And so there was always like, um, Wendy's charges or whatever it may be a lot of, um, drugstore charges, uh, again, come to find out after everything came to light that he would buy gift cards for his drug dealer at Kroger or whatever, and give them the gift cards. Like that was how he was hiding, giving out money. Um, and he was also buying gift cards at CVS. Um, and, um, he had convinced me that I was spending the money, uh, sometimes because at that time we had one bank account and not, not two. And he convinced me that I was spending the money. And he also convinced me, um, that somebody at my work was stealing my money. And so that led me to get a, one of those envelopes, one of those secure lockable things. So I had my money in it. Um, and again, my husband and I were trying to do like a cash budget. And so my cash was getting taken out and I was like, what is going on? Like, is this jerk at work really taking money from me? And so then, um, I had even talked to my building. I, I had, I worked at a, a historic landmark and I had talked to them like, Hey, my money's getting stolen. And I take people out on building tours and I would bring them back and my office would just be open. And so I thought a person was there taking my money when I was out on tours. Um, and so I was almost going to have them put in security cameras around my office just so that I could catch who was taking money out of my wallet. Um, and then after I realized that the money was still coming out and I didn't think that it was somebody at work, um, I bought a safe, a safe that he, um, didn't know the code to, and I hid the keys. It was one of the little keypad things. Um, and every day I would come home from work and I would immediately throw my entire purse in the safe so that he could not, um, he couldn't have any access because towards the end, I kind of was trying, I was kind of figuring out that it wasn't coming from an outside source. And I wanted to make sure that I wasn't crazy. And I wanted to hundred percent prove that he was the one taking the money. Um, one morning at five, 5 AM or something like that. Um, I would check my bank account all the time. And at 5 AM, I saw there was an ATM withdrawal of like $40. And I called my husband on my way home and I was like, somebody hacked my bank account. 
I'm going to the bank right now. I'm closing down the accounts and I'm filing a police report and I'm going to go look at the ATM footage. He was like, no, 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 don't do that. Come home before you, you know, file any type of police reports. And I was like, no, I'm doing this. Like, um, I'm tired of it. I can't deal with it anymore. He was like, please come home. Please come home. Anyway, I came home and he did tell me that, um, it was him. He had found the key to the safe and he had been taking money at that point. He still did not say, um, what, uh, what the money was going for, but that he was taking money. Um, he also had put flyers around our neighborhood to mow lawns. And, um, we, it was like, oh, he was mowing yards, but he wasn't ever getting money. And so, um, if I could get him awake for 20 minutes, um, to walk in the neighborhood, that was about the only time that he would talk to me towards the end. And so I knew there was one house that he mowed and I was like, Hey, have they paid you? He was like, no. And so me being me, I ran up to the door and I was about to knock and I was like, have they paid you? And he was like, yes, they have. And I was like, where's the money? So again, towards the end, things just weren't making sense. Um, but he was trying to protect his drug. Um, that was the number one thing. It was the only thing that was important. Um, he would yell at me, do whatever he could lie to keep that drug. That was like the most sacred thing for him. Um, so those for me, money is a huge, um, trust thing for me. And so a lot of things, um, how we kind of built our trust back, um, have to do with money because I could not believe his words. His words meant nothing. It didn't even matter if he, when I said the sky was blue, like it meant nothing. His words meant nothing. So I needed physical proof that, um, if he spent $5 at the grocery store, that it was, um, he brought me the receipt and I saw on the bank account, it was only $5 and it said it was for a candy bar or something like that. So, um, one, so how we started to kind of gain some trust back is I separated the accounts immediately. I had his paycheck deposited in my account and my paycheck. And that's where all of our bills and everything came out of. I had the, um, checkbook, everything was in the safe. Um, I shipped the keys off to, um, my friend in another state so that he absolutely could not, um, get into the safe. Um, cause it was only a key code that I knew and, um, we did that. And then he was only allowed his own debit card and he was only allowed to have $25 on his account, uh, for a very long time. And he had to bring the physical receipt for anything he purchased. It didn't matter. Even if he forgot to, um, bring me that $5 receipt, uh, from Kroger, uh, that was for the legitimate candy bar. I was like, you use drugs. I don't give a shit that's just is what it is. And so he got a lot of flack for it in meetings of people telling him that I was being irrational, that that was not fair X, Y, Z. But for me, that was such a violation of our trust. And that was how, that was the only way that I knew how to get our trust back was for him to show me all of those physical receipts. Um, he no longer went on drives. I didn't tell him not to go on drives. Um, but he just stop going on drives naturally because he wasn't going out to get drugs anymore. And so that again, like he was around more, he wasn't taking his, all of his phone calls outside anymore. Um, he was comfortable me hearing whatever he was saying, not necessarily with his sponsor or with any of his friends in the program. Um, but if he was talking to his sister or his mom for me to hear the conversation was, was no big deal. 
I also got access to his phone. Um, I knew the pin code and he wouldn't lose his mind whenever I would touch it. Um, not that I would ever have ever gone through it, but, um, I know that I can get in and I know that he hasn't, um, he hasn't taken anything, um, out of there. Um, I think something that was told to me when I was, um, in recovery, like in the recovery group that I'm in is, um, truth plus time equals trust. And so for me, that was, um, something that I kind of held on to, and it was like, okay, I can do this. I can stay with him. Um, if I just kind of put in the work, then both of us could, um, maybe get through this together. Um, I also spoke to my co-hosts, uh, about a couple of different ways that they built trust with their partners, um, couples counseling. That is a really good one of ways that you could build back trust. Um, for me, that wasn't our path, but, um, I do know that works for a lot of people, individual counseling. I cannot um, speak to that enough. I love my individual counselor. She has helped me through tons and tons and helped me kind of um, notice some of my codependent behaviors with my husband so that we can kind of work through those support groups. I'm a big proponent of support groups. They give me energy. They give me life. Um, they're everything to me. So I love support groups. So if you are able to find a support group, please do. Um, because I just think they're so valuable. Um, we at recovering too, we do have virtual support groups. So if that's something you're interested in, you could always go to our website. Um, when, um, in my experience, uh, when addicts get out of treatment, they, um, they're like, I'm clean. I'm sober. Like you should trust me immediately. And for most of us, that is not the case. Like we, we had to speak like my husband and I had to talk to one another and agree on a timeline that made sense for us. So you're clean three months. Great. You were using for the past nine years. Obviously you can understand how I can't trust you after three months of being clean. So I think a mutually agreed upon timetable in that regard, because I hear from a lot of people like, oh, my addicted partner, um, wants my trust back. And it's like, no, that's just not, that's not how it happens. Um, another way, like my husband would never answer the phone. And so, and a lot for my other girlfriends as well. And so he always knew that it was extremely important that when I called, he had to pick up the phone. And so, um, that was just another way that we built back trust. Also, he is an opiate user. And so for me, I wanted him to be on Suboxone and Vivitrol and went to his doctor's appointments to talk with his, um, medical providers to make sure that we were all on the same page and that we didn't want him to be on those drugs forever. However, that gave me peace of mind that I knew he couldn't get, um, high on his drug of choice. And, um, that also helped him with withdrawals because that was something he was very concerned about drug tests. Of course, for me, uh, always had a drug test. If I even felt an inkling that he might be using or might be under the influence, I could pull out that drug test at any time and say, take it. And I would watch him and it would, um, help again, prove that maybe he really is just tired, that he's not nodding out, um, that he's just tired and it's, you know, there's no drugs in his system. Um, another thing is the doctor's appointments, like the permission, um, to talk and speak with either the counselors 
or the um, medical providers. That was something that um, my husband allowed me to do, um, which helped me um, confirm, like learn and have the education around this disease and also understand that um, the process that that they were working in and like kind of the whole, the holistic plan um, to help my husband stay in recovery. Um, And again, the education around the disease, I think that is another reason I stayed is because I understood that he wasn't choosing drugs over me personally. It, I mean, this is his disease and this is his addiction. So, uh, hopefully that was helpful. Hopefully I gave, um, you guys some tips that we use and maybe you could use in your own lives. Uh, another thing, um, I wanted to kind of mention, I know I, at the beginning talked about my podcast and my company, but, um, boy problems podcast, we started that, um, two and a half years ago, uh, because we knew that there wasn't, um, availability for family members to have access to support groups. And so we just started to bring a microphone to our meetups to talk about all things recovery. And so we've got over 60 episodes, lots of really wonderful content. We speak about all things addiction and everything surrounding that. So trust, sex and intimacy, the science of addiction, codependency, boundaries. We just cover a lot of really wonderful topics and we hear from stories from other people as well um, to help you know that you're not alone. So that podcast is Boy Problems Podcast and can be found pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts. Uh, Recovering too. So we did uh, start that company because we do see a void uh, for family members going through this disease with a loved one. And so we offer virtual support groups. Um, We're happy to do speaking presentations like this one I'm doing today. Um, And then, you know, drug treatment facilities, if they do not have a family component, we are happy to come in and deliver our presentation as well to hopefully help family know that they're not alone and just um, navigating some of this awfulness um, that typically you're going through. Uh, And I think that's it. Yeah. So anyway, if you have questions, please, please reach out to us at hello at recovering com. You can go to our website. We have a form on there that you could talk to me, but it has been a pleasure speaking with you guys. And thank you so much. And again, my name is Katie. um, And I look forward to hearing from you in the future. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for spending time with us. We hope this story has helped you better navigate yours. Don't forget to subscribe so we can meet you here next time. If you enjoyed this episode, spread the love by rating or reviewing. Need more support? Join our online community by visiting us at boyproblemspod.com. Whatever you do, keep coming back. We're not licensed professionals. We're here to share our lived experience. So take what resonates and leave what doesn't.